This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, my name is Matt Cundell, and this portion of the Moranolytics podcast is powered by my company, mattcundellvoice.com. If you need a voice for your company videos, narration, e-learning, maybe it's your radio or TV ad, or even your phone system, consider using my voice to tell your story. I'm not only a sponsor of this podcast, I'm also a regular listener, wrestling fan, and longtime supporter of the Buffalo Bills. For more, check out mattcundlevoice.com or click on the link in the show notes. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, podcast fans, what's going on? How you doing? Welcome to episode number 106 of the Moranalytics podcast. Today is Friday, March 29th, 2019. Thank you, as always, for listening and for downloading. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do so. Also, take a quick minute to rate and review the show. I can't tell you enough how much doing that really helps us grow this podcast tremendously. I also have a brand new YouTube page, Moranalytics Podcast. If you want to go on there, we're going to have original audio content. Eventually, we're going to have some videos, and I'm going to have highlights from episodes like today and from previous ones. They'll be scattered on throughout, so go check that out. That's pretty cool. Speaking of cool, I'll tell you what. I've had plenty of current and former NFL players on the show before, but never have I had the wife of one of the players on. That's going to change today. Shelby Waddle, wife of new Buffalo Bills offensive tackle, LeAdrian Waddle. She joins the podcast today, and I promise you, you're going to be entertained. Heart of my French, but this young woman, she's pretty fucking cool, man. For real. Within a few days of LeAdrian's side, and I started noticing on Twitter, his wife tweeting out some funny shit, making an effort to connect with Buffalo Bills fans. I said, you know what? I'm down with that. So I reached out to her. I wanted to have her on this podcast. And after talking to her, she was happy to oblige. So so I got her on today. We have a nice chat. And she shares some really good stories. Ranging from fun, like the story of how her and Adrian hooked up. The awesome proposal that went down. Trust me, you're going to want to hear that. We also talk about some real serious shit too. Like the business side of football, a side that a lot of fans, they don't always understand, you know, what it's like to get cut out of nowhere and have your life instantly uprooted at just the drop of a dime. Adrian once got cut by the Detroit Lions, literally 
a year to the day after he tore his ACL. It was rough, obviously. She was at a supermarket grocery shopping when she got wind that her husband got cut. It was rough, but they ended up hitting the football lottery because he got claimed 24 hours later by the New England Patriots. We talk about what that feeling is like to win the Super Bowl, not once, but twice, playing the game three times, and she discusses her personal feelings about some of those Patriot guys, including Tom Brady and Gronk. And much respect to her, by the way, for being willing to defend her personal relationship with those guys to that small portion of Bills fans. And by Bills fans, those small portion, I almost mean trolls. They're trying to get salty with her over it on Twitter. Anyway, whatever. It's a great interview, lots of laughs, some great stories as well. I'll have that for you in just a minute. Right after Shelby, I got my man Joe back for another installment of The Running With Joe. Today, we're talking about Buffalo Bills and Sabres owner Terry Bagula and that kind of embarrassing press conference he had the other night. The continuous excuses that he and others make for Phil Housley and that freaking laughing stock of a Buffalo Sabres organization. We get into a, a pretty feisty conversation over Antonio Brown. We talk a little WWE, and Joe finishes with his final take about the perception of Buffalonians living outside of Buffalo, and he thinks that that perception, for the most part, is kind of bullshit. Packed ass episode, two really good segments, so let's not waste any time. I want to get right down the business. Here's my interview with the very entertaining and very lovely Shelby Waddle, followed by The Running With Joe. Okay, my guest today is the wife of new Buffalo Bills offensive tackle, Adrian Waddle. In just a short time, she's made a name for herself as well among Bills fans, or Bills Mafia as we like to call it, with her incredibly entertaining Twitter account. I am talking about Shelby Waddle. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Shelby. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm great. How the heck are you? I'm doing good. This is something different, and I'm really looking forward to doing this. We'll talk a little bit about your marriage and Adrian, how you guys met, all yeah. that fun stuff. We'll do that in a minute. First, you're from Livonia, Michigan, right? That's about a half hour or so from Detroit. What was it like? Yeah. Growing, what was it like growing up around Detroit for you? Well, my dad actually was a cop um, in Livonia for about 35 years, and so. Um, he did that and, um, you know, he had remarried and I have a stepmom who's, you know, wonderful, but my, my real mom is actually an owner of a trucking company, um, which my grandmother also owned a trucking company. So I'm pretty much from a line of very independent women. And, you know, my dad, I kind of get my sarcastic take no shit from my dad, which, you know, is great. So, you know, it, it was great. Pretty, pretty decent childhood. Um, you know, I definitely had some issues growing up. You know, my my mom wasn't the greatest role model, so I kind of had to grow up pretty fast. Um, but you know what? I definitely look at those things as that gave me a role model to do the exact opposite of, you know? Sure. So everything happens for a reason, and I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, and I wouldn't change a thing because it led me to, you know, here I am today. So take everything with a grain of salt and just realize that the good Lord placed you here for a reason. So were you a sports fan as a kid? To be honest with you, I grew up around hunting and fishing. My family 
They never watch football. They really couldn't care less. And my dad actually now owns a hunting and fishing business. So, you know, I kind of got into football a little bit later. Um, I really enjoyed going to games and just I I enjoy the fan, the football fans. I think that they're a bunch of people that have a ton of pride in their teams. And I, I love that about people. And I love the fact that they're all so in, as I'm sure you guys know in Buffalo, you know, the Lion fans are the same way. They're little bit different they're not as nice but you know they didn't like me because I talk shit back and they didn't like that (laughs) but but that's fine I mean they're like you don't know what it's like to lose listen buddy I'm from Detroit I know what it's like to lose so but that's all right you know you always get those people but yeah that's that's me you went to college nearby Detroit Schoolcraft College what was your college experience like for you To be honest with you, I worked my way. As soon as I was able to work, I got a job and I paid my way through school. I got to be honest with you. I'm I'm not a huge, you know, advocate for blowing all this money on schooling. I personally think, you know, if you're going to be a doctor or a scientist or, you know, you're going to freaking Mars, of course, you're going to need a college degree. But for me personally, you know, I was always in sales. Um, I can sell ice to, you know, an Eskimo. So, (laughs) you know, I personally, you know, I went to school just to, you know, say that I had my degrees and now I have two degrees. But for me, you know, I looked at it to do it the cheapest way possible. I wouldn't take a class until I could fully pay it off by myself. So for me, it was worth it to take a little bit more time to finish school and leave there with zero debt than it was to, you know, go to some big name school and all that. And for me, you know, because I worked so much, um, I, I don't really like to go out. I'm not a huge fan of going out. I don't like people hitting on me <laughs> um, because I, I, I don't like it. And I don't like people trying to buy me drinks. If they are going to buy me anything, it's going to be food. Um, and I'm still not going to talk to them all night. You're so, going to fit you know, in Buffalo me, so well, by the way. I know. I know. I just, you know, for me, I, I wasn't a huge fan of going out, but that's where the football thing came in. Cause I liked, I liked going to football games. So yeah, that was kind of my college experience. <laughs> Let me ask you, how did you first meet Adrian? He signed with the Detroit Lions as an undrafted free agent out of Texas yep. Tech in 2013. When did you guys yep. first meet? How did you meet? Oh, you know, people always ask me that. When did you guys first meet? You know, I don't know the exact date. Um, and people always ask, how long have we been together? We both really don't know. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I get it, it really, it seems like forever. I mean, we really... When people ask me, you know, about him and kind of to explain, you know, him to everybody else, I'm like, you know, he's me in a big black guy body. So, you know, (laughs) we're both we're both very similar as far as, you know, he has a very dry humor, which he and my father got along so well. Uh, They still do. They talk like they're best friends. It's so cute. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, we actually met when I slid in those DMs. Uh, We started talking. Um, actually our first conversation was after he just kind of popped up on my feed somehow and I followed him and we were talking about, it was, it was during one of the Super Bowls where Peyton Manning was playing and I'm sure you're familiar with, you know, the call Omaha, Omaha. And so, you know, I, we started talking about that and, you know, it's funny because obviously the past three years we've been at the Super Bowl and it was always funny because it just came full circle, you know, how we met and, you know, on Twitter. And then we actually talked for about 
a number of months. Um, and that was during the off season. And then he said, you know, I have to come up for some training or something. And he said, do you want to pick me up? And so I said, sure. And, you know, I was hoping he wasn't catfishing me, of course. <laughs> um, but, you know, I showed up at the airport in my, you know, tiny Ford Fusion car, which isn't very compatible for a six foot six, 315 pound lineman. <laughs> um, but, you know, I got out and he the first words he ever said to me was, where's the rest of you? <laughs> so I guess I guess the Internet makes me look a little bit taller. But, um, you know, since then, we've, we've been together ever since. So, yeah. So, so Peyton, Peyton Manning's Omaha played a very tiny, minuscule role in you guys kind of hooking up. Then uh-huh. that's that's the yeah. sort of a, of a of really good story there. Now I did my homework yeah. here. You guys got engaged on March twenty second, two thousand fifteen. Give us the twenty first. The twenty first. Twenty first. Give us the deets. How did that proposal go down? I want details. Oh my god, man! You you're about to be mind blown. This Uh-oh. guy. Oh god, the guy's. The guy's a saint. I mean, I really can't, you know, he's a totally different person on the field. I mean, he's a straight asshole on the field and it's so hot. Um, (laughs) But, you know, for me, he is nothing but the most loving and gentle and just he's I can't say enough about the man. Um, So he and I um, went to Bermuda. Actually, he flew me to Bermuda and it was supposed to be for, you know, my birthday but I kind of had a feeling that he was going to ask me because he had actually gotten injured. Um, I don't remember exactly when and what injury it was, but he, you know, was on crutches. And before we went to Bermuda, he was like, you know, I, I have to have breakfast with your dad. And I'm like, okay, like that's weird, but fine. Well, he actually was going to breakfast with my dad and my dad, like I said, he's very dry humored. He was a cop. I don't know if he was a cop still at the time, but he has a bunch of cop buddies, you know, right. who are, you know, just very hard guys and whatnot. Well, his name is Marty, my dad's friend. My dad's name is Jeff. And so L.A. went to go to breakfast thinking it was just my dad. And I guess he showed up and Marty was there and it was just too much for him. So he didn't ask then. Huh. Um, but then the day that we were going to leave the day before, he was like, all right, we really have to have breakfast with your parents. And then they made me go sit in the car while they talked. So I was like, okay, <laughs> like, oh, wow. could you be more obvious? But so we flew to Bermuda and, you know, we had a great trip. Um, and my birthday was towards the end of the trip. And for my birthday dinner, he rented out this whole restaurant um, that was overlooking the ocean And we had, when we walked in, all of the waiters and waitresses were waiting on us. He had this table set up that was so gorgeous. It had the menu, everything we were going to have for dinner, and it had our names on it. And then, you know, for for me, I I love food. So, of course, dinner is the best way to do it. (laughs) Um, And, you know, my favorite cake in the world is Funfetti cake. And so he actually had them make a funfetti birthday cake for me towards the end of the dinner. And, you know, I'm drinking champagne all night long. I'm feeling great. And um, they bring the cake out and they all sing happy birthday. And then I'm thinking he's going to get on one knee at dinner. And he, you know, we get up and he's like, well, it's all downhill from here. (laughs) And I was like, oh, good. (laughs) So uh, we, we walked back to where we were staying. Essentially what it is, it's not a hotel. That's more of like, um, like personal cabins that were overlooking the ocean that 
you know, it opens up, you have a living room that you walk into in a bar and then it goes back into the bedroom. And while we were gone, all of the maids had lined the entire thing with rose petals and, and, um, candles. And he already called me his wifey. Um, and so he literally had the bed say for real, for real wifey question mark. Oh wow! Um, and then, yeah. And then he got on one knee and honestly, I don't remember anything else. I was just so excited and I didn't even look at the ring. I was literally just in his arms, like so happy. That's so, one of the coolest proposal stories I've ever heard. It I'm, was. I'm being dead serious. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. It, wow. The guy's really freaking good. Like, I'm like, holy shit, you are great. That is, that is <laughs> And really the first good. thing I did was blow out all of the candles because knowing my dumbass, I would light myself on fire. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, clearly it worked out. We're still married, you know, a couple years later. So I think I'll keep him. He's pretty, he's pretty great. <laughs> That's really cool. That's fun. I want to turn our attention to something more serious here, okay? You yeah. learned firsthand as obviously Adrian did too, the business side of football, that same very year. So you yeah. get engaged in March and Adrian yeah. was coming off a knee surgery the off season before. He ended up getting cut yeah. by Detroit. It was December of 2015. Some fans, mm-hmm. many fans, in fact, you only see the things, and it's natural to see it that way. You only see things through football. But on a personal level, how hard was that? it kind of turns your life upside down. You know, one minute you're in Detroit, next minute, yeah. you don't know where you're going to be next. I mean, obviously things couldn't have worked out better for you in the long run, but yeah, yeah, still yeah, for sure. at that time, at that moment, how tough is that to be able to handle? And like I said, it just turns your world upside down because at least at the time, you don't know what's next or where's next. You know what I mean? Oh, oh trust me. I know what you mean. So, you know, for me, I was with my family when he was in Detroit, you know, so I was able to keep my job that I loved. You know, I was a sales manager for an entertainment company in Detroit. I pretty much ran the company for about six years, Um, you know, obviously along with my boss. But, you know, I loved my job. I love being close to my family. And he got cut a year to the day after he tore his ACL against the Minnesota Vikings on December 14th of 2014. Going back to that injury. I think it's very important for people to realize that these guys, they're not just players, you know? Right. And I remember distinctly the time when he got hurt, I was on the far side of the field away from him at the 30 yard line. And they were down at the end zone and I could hear him screaming from the end zone and they come and they bring the card out and I'm standing there and I'm, I'm in shock. You know, I'm, I'm just terrified and I see him get carted off and then all the fans go back to cheering. And it's like, they don't understand a lot of the times that like this could be the end for him. You know, thank God it wasn't, but they, yeah, you work your whole life they, to get to that point. Sure. Yeah. You know, for, for us, you know, it was, it was a hard time obviously. Um, but it, when we said the vows about, you know, through sickness and in health, we meant it. And, you know, he's always been there for me and I'll always be there for him. But, you know, when we got cut a year to the day, that news came to me when I found out on Twitter by fans basically telling us good riddance and go fuck yourself. Jesus um, Christ. Which was fine. You know, I get it. Looking back now, it was obviously a blessing in disguise. But I found out when I was literally at the grocery store, I had a, 
I, I didn't find out through him. They didn't give him time to tell me or, you know, they told the media before I even found out. And I literally had a grocery cart full of stuff and I literally just, I, I left it in the middle of the store and I went home thinking that he was going to be there and he wasn't. Um, he was still at the facility cleaning out his locker. And when he got home, I would pay any amount of money. I would do absolutely, I would break all of my bones if I could not see that face and not see that just heartbreak again through him. Because, you know, for me, I know he's he's a hell of a man. He's a hell of a player. You know, you don't get into your, you know, for us going into his seventh season as an undrafted free agent who's literally overcome absolutely every obstacle possible if you're not a good player. Right. You know, he, he's a hell of a player, and you can't deny that. And I'm sure, you know, people like to throw stats and whatever. There's a reason why he was on three Super Bowl teams. You sure. know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, you can try and shit on him all you want, but at the end of the day, until you step foot on that field and you play football, I don't give a shit about your opinion. And that's that's the reality of it. And that's, you know, people don't like me for that, but I see all that goes into football and I see, you know, the, the work that really, truly does go into it. And there are some people that literally think that they only work on Sundays. And it's like, are y'all thick? Like, yeah. what the hell is wrong with you? But, you know, obviously, like you said, it's it's a blessing in disguise. But for me... You know, like I said, everything happens for a reason. And, and you know, obviously it was true then. So, yeah. It's tough. And there's diff all dips different types of players. There's blue chip first round guys. There's guys that got to mm -hmm. bust their ass to get on a team. Like your husband, I have a very close friend and I've interviewed all types of football players. I have a very close family friend who's on the practice squad with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know how yeah. the undrafted kid. No, working his ass off. And I think yeah. yeah, some people just don't understand what goes into it or how quickly, you know, he got cut one day out of the clear blue. He got brought back oh, to yeah. the practice squad and that was great. But point being is you just, you never know. And football really is a business. But the good thing is yeah. there is a silver lining in almost everything. And in this case, mm -hmm. what a freaking silver lining that was because oh, God, yeah. just a day later, he hits what's the equivalent of the football jackpot. He gets claimed yeah. by the New England Patriots. What was your immediate reaction at the time? What was his immediate reaction at the time when you found out that you'd be going to New England? Shit, man, we were all in it. You know, the silver lining is, you know, the silver that's on those, you know, Super Bowl rings and the new one we're about to get. I, I wanted to make a point, you know, you mentioned the practice squad players and, you know, being on Twitter, I see a lot of people that, you know, when the practice squad players and other guys, you know, that don't have a starting role, a lot of the trolls like to say, oh, you know, you don't deserve it. You didn't do anything. Those practice squad players do more than anybody during practice. Absolutely. You know, all week long. They work their ass off. They are pin cushions, essentially. And, you know, they deserve every amount of that Super Bowl ring. And I cannot stress that enough. You know, every single player on that team and every single coach, every single person that feeds those guys from the cafeteria, every single person that does anything, the wives, the children, they all make sacrifices and they all deserve to celebrate that. So if I ever see somebody coming for a practice squad player or anything like that, I will shut you down. And I promise you that. I don't, it's bullshit. Well, you're right. It. You're a hundred percent right to a man. You put any star athlete on a show and, and if he's worth his weight in gold whatsoever, he'll be the first Absolutely. to tell you it's the practices. Yeah. It's the second string guys. It's the practice squad guys. It's yep. the people in the building that get them prepared to play on Sunday. 
That's why the team yep. achieves success. What a culture shock difference. I'm not talking necessarily city-wise or living-wise, but just football organizationally that had to be between the Detroit Lions and the New England Patriots. That's literally night and day on oh, a football yeah. standpoint, at least for sure. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, as I'm sure y'all know, one of the greatest, if not the greatest offensive line coaches, Dante Skarnecchia, um, we were so blessed to be able to, you know, have him be coached by him. And, you know, I got close with his wife, Susan. They're, they're Super Bowl winning teams. You know, they they know how to win. They know, you know, what it takes. They know the grind it takes. I mean, it's just, it really is night and day. You know, I'm not a football player. I see what it goes into for him. But, you know, besides that, it's just the only way I know how to describe it is night and day. <laughs> I mean, really. What was that experience like for you? Um, I can only imagine what it was like for Adrian being on the field, winning a Super yeah. Bowl. I've seen a picture, maybe it was Instagram. It was somewhere. I've seen a picture of you on the field celebrating, having a good time after the oh, Super yeah. Bowl. What's that moment like? Oh man, you know, to see him, to see literally his ultimate dream come true, you know, two times unimaginable. You know, I, I, I'm so proud of not only the man that he is, but, you know, like I said, for everything that he's overcome and for it to come back and come full circle and for them to win that and for him to just, just take in that moment is unreal. It really is. And, you know, for me, I, I really am, I, as I'm sure you know, I'm such a proud wife. I'll always have my husband's back, you know, no matter what. So for me, it's of course for when we, when we came back and won against the Falcons, it was of course very, very heart attack esque. Um, but you know, besides that it's stressful, but I, and I, <laughs> this is going to sound very stupid and I'm sure people are going, yeah, right. I, right. Whatever. But I always have a gut feeling if we're going to lose or we're going to win. I just know it. Things I believe happen. It. Things happen. Like when we were in Minnesota, the, the night before the game, I actually lost my Super Bowl ticket. And the whole morning, I literally was literally going under the bed. I was going through everything. I had people I didn't even know going through all my stuff looking for this ticket. <laughs> and thank thank God someone turned it into the hotel desk. Um, but, you know, I just, I knew it. Like, I knew it wasn't going to happen for us. And But I knew, you know, when we played against the Falcons and when we played this last game, I just knew it. You know, we don't things happen during the season that you just know a lot of the times, you know, for last year, everybody hated on us. Everybody said, you know, they're not a Super Bowl winning team. They're not a Super Bowl caliber team. You know, that's fine, but they are, they did, you know, they won it. So it's like, I just, I have a gut feeling most of the time. And so, yeah, it's, it's really incredible. Let's piss, let's piss some Bills fans off on purpose here. Okay. Because uh, I know this is going to yeah. piss them off. Well, I'm going to piss them off. You don't have to. <laughs> what's Tom Brady well, like? Tell people what Tom Brady are like. We're going to talk about Gronk in a second too, but Tom Brady is probably the most hated person in the history of Buffalo, but oh admitted, yeah. but the people who hate him also will tell you in the very next breath, it's because there's a lot of jealousy going on. He's the greatest oh yeah. quarterback. Even the, even the biggest Bills fan in the world will tell you that's the greatest quarterback who's ever lived. What's he like as a person from your experience, you know, of, of maybe having a conversation or talking to him before? He's never been anything but incredibly gracious and very nice to all of us. Um, he doesn't, I know people are like, oh, you know, he comes off as such an asshole. He really, 
if you didn't know who he was, you would think he's just a normal guy. I mean, same with Gronk. You know, we we spent our Thanksgivings with Gronk and he's so nice. You know, they're they're nice people. They're they're people. They're not players. They're people. And so people always like to say they like to, you know, equate the things that they do on the field with the things that they do off the field. You know, like I said, my husband is the greatest man off the field. He's so, you know, sweet and gentle. One of the games during the Lions, when we were with the Lions, there was a guy who, uh, you know, on the other team basically was messing with L.A.'s teammate and basically shoved him to the ground. And L.A. grabbed him by essentially the neck and pushed him back 30 yards. And the guy was swinging with his arms, but LA has a wingspan of like stupid length and the guy's swinging at him, trying to make him let go. And he pushed him back 30 yards. Mm. You know, he, the guy, you know, is totally different on the field. He's an asshole, but that's what he has to be. You know, that's his job. He has to literally, you can tell the night before and you know, the day of it's totally, he's a totally different person. But he doesn't, you know, if they were to lose or, you know, things like that, he doesn't bring it home. He doesn't take it out on me, you know, of course. And so I know that it does piss people off that we're from the Pats, but we can't change that. And, you know, we obviously it was part of our life and we're very thankful, you know, for the opportunity that we were given, because guess what? They were the first team that came calling. If Buffalo called, it'd be different, but they didn't, you know. So it's like, you know, we got the opportunity and we we of course were blessed to be able to win two Super Bowls. Hey, so that, that's an organization know. that always wins. And for them to claim him off waivers, that tells you a lot about the kind of football player he was and what they saw him as. Because again, this isn't a joke of a franchise. This is quite possibly the greatest franchise in all of sports. And they're putting a waiver yeah. claiming on him. So they, obviously they saw something in him. Let me, this, this is actually, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I do have to say one thing. It was so funny because before La Adrian went there, um, there was a guy named, um, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Anyways, he was a player who came from Detroit and he went, he got traded to the Pats and he, you know, he was an offensive lineman turned tight end and then, you know, kind of went back and forth, but he, they asked him about Ladrian when he got cut. They said, you know, what kind of guy is he? They said, you know, he's a great guy, you know, hardworking, all that, you know, super nice guy. Well, the first practice that Ladrian ever had with the Patriots, he got into he got into a fight with a defensive player and damn damn near threw him to the ground. And I guess Bill looked at the player that he asked about Ladrian and he goes, Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you about that part. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> So you made some national internet headlines recently. Somebody on Twitter, some clown compared Odell Beckham Jr. to Gronk when it comes to partying and shit like that. Basically dissing Gronk. And you weren't having any of that. You went all in on the dude. Barstool saw that, picked it up, did a whole entire post on it, slapped up some cool pictures of you from, I want to say, your Instagram. That was Pretty cool. I'm like, God damn, this is Barstool Sports doing a story on you. They liked you. Clearly, when it came to dissing Gronk or comparing him to Odell Beckham Jr. when it comes to partying and shit like that, you were having zero of that. Oh, yeah. I, I don't I don't hold back. And I think people, they either love it or they hate it. And, you know, hate it or love it, the underdog's on top. So, for me, like I said, it's it's 
I don't give a shit, you know, if you don't like it, you don't like it. Um, but it's, it's funny because Barstool actually, when we were with the Pats, when we won our first Super Bowl, we actually wore, they, they wrote a story on our Christmas cards. I, I take Christmas cards very seriously. Um, <laughs> and essentially it was a big F. How serious do you that, take them? Oh God, <laughs> you don't understand. Like I'm already working on our Christmas cards this year. That's awesome. Um, but that that Christmas card, we wore sweaters that said, you know, the 28 to 3, which is funny since today is March 28th. They basically were like, this is the greatest sweater and this is the greatest Christmas card of all time. And so since then, it's it's been good. But that's all right. As long as I'm making good headlines, it's all that matters. Well, one thing I really like about you is... You'll be entertaining on Twitter. You're obviously a Bills fan now. Of course you are. Your husband's oh, going to yeah. be playing for the Hell team. Yeah. That goes without all saying. In. You're all in for Buffalo. In. But at the same token, that doesn't exclude you from speaking your mind on a topic that you feel strong about. Like you caught a little bit of shit from, I don't even want to call them fans because these people are more trolls than anything because oh, you were yeah, being sure. complimentary about Grok as a person you know, just hours yeah. after he announces his retirement. You know the yeah. guy personally. These people do not. Again, the, the situation, and I'm sure you know about it now if you don't remember at the time, he took a cheap shot at Trey White yeah. after an interception yeah. late in the game. It was a dirty yeah. play. It was a bad moment for him. I'm sure he knows that. Absolutely. I always say to people at that time, I'm more pissed at the three Buffalo Bills defenders who stood there and just started yelling at the ref instead of going after him for doing something like that. You want to be mad at somebody... Be mad at those guys who didn't go after him. But anyway, it was a bad moment. But he's a Buffalo guy. He's a fun guy. He's a partier. I tell people this all the time. You know, he's never been accused of hitting a woman. He's never had a DWI. He's never been caught doing anything stupid. He's just living his own life and having fun. But anyway, so you stick up for him. And some Bills fans slash trolls give you shit. It's that's, that's the it's the thing I know that's it's fine. it's the thing I hate about Twitter though. How difficult <laughs> can too. it be sometimes to have to deal with those types of people? Because I think you get a good sense of when somebody is just legitimately questioning your opinion and disagreeing with you. That's one thing. But I feel like you probably could tell when people are intentionally trying to start shit with you, trying to get a rise out of you oh, for yeah. no other reason. You know what I mean? Could that be a difficult line to oh, navigate sure. sometimes? I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said that, you know, there aren't certain moments of weaknesses where I'm, you know, pissed off and I'm like, you know, you're an idiot. Which yeah, you want to kill someone. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, for me, I'm never going to go along with something that I don't agree is right. I'm not going to say that Gronk's an asshole because he's never been an asshole to me. Right. Um, you know, but for these people to sit there and like I said, I've seen the play. Yes, of course, it's a bad play. It's a dirty play. But for me. People shouldn't throw stones in a glass house. You know, would you, I'm pretty sure that every single person has one thing that they wouldn't like to define them for the rest of their life. And he shouldn't either. You know, like I said, he's a person, you know, he's not just a player and they're very different on and off the field. And, you know, that's their job. Like I said, he had a bad moment. But you know what? Like I said, I wouldn't like to have one moment to find me because I've made a shit ton of mistakes in my past sure. and you can't change them. You can only learn, you can only learn from them. So, but you know, like you said, with the trolls, I, 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 you know, either kill them with kindness or give them some sarcastic remark and usually just shit all over them. So <laughs> that's fine with me. You know, for me, it's like when they try and talk shit about my husband, it's like, Hey buddy, you know, get off your couch and do something. If you think you can do it better. 
you know, I had one guy basically say, yeah, well, you know, how are you to get off on people about having no talent? You're just fucking a guy that has talent. I said, listen, buddy, don't you think that takes talent? Like, come on. (laughs) I seen that you reached out to a few of the Buffalo Bills current or or past players' wives. Yeah. uh, Notably, Patty Thomas, Thurman's wife. She's great. Yeah, it feels like you're pretty. She's so great. She is. It feels like I've talked to her many times. Great person. It feels like you're pretty determined to get to know the Bills culture and the people and what everything in Buffalo is about, especially the food, like you've said a few times. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Patty, you know, she was one of the first people that pretty much, you know, Twitter introduced me to. um, And we are actually going I'm actually flying into Buffalo April 4th to do a charity event that she's actually going to be at for the Red Wings and Sabres game. Um, So we'll be miking up for that and kind of going back and forth. And apparently there's going to be a Mario Kart competition. I know. It's like a a pod fest or or something like that going uh, on too. Yeah. yeah. And and I feel bad because I'm really going to have to shit all over these people and really show them what's up. And it's like, they're all (laughs) going to hate me for beating them. You got to do do what you got to do, man. Yeah. Hey man, (laughs) you know, you you gotta, you gotta establish your dominance quickly. And that's what I intend to do. So one last so, question here, and then we're going to get to the mini lightning round to wrap up. Tell fans out there listening, you know him better than anyone else, obviously. What is Adrian going to bring to the Buffalo Bills? He's going to bring that winning culture, man. He's going to bring just just working his ass off. I mean, that's, that's the only thing I've known of him. He literally gives, he does not do anything half-ass. He does i mean the guy just went to hot yoga can you imagine like literally i think he's still in hot yoga right now <laughs> you know can you imagine a 315 pound lineman in hot yoga next to you like like the guy literally puts everything into this lifestyle and so he's gonna compete he's you know it's in his dna and you know he's gonna you're gonna get the best of adrian waddle and he brings out the best of other people especially me and you know you get me too so what the hell's wrong with that you know (laughs) that's the best part about it yeah it is all right so we're gonna wrap up here mini lightning round i do this with every guest what i'm gonna do is ask you a handful of random questions no deep thought required. Whatever the first good. thing that pops in your good. Whatever the first thing that pops in your mind, <laughs> that's your answer. Kind of like a rapid fire style. You good to go? You ready? Right. I, I don't know if I'll ever be ready, but I'll try. All right. <laughs> Favorite athlete whose name is not Adrian Waddle. Uh, Waddle Adrian. <laughs> Favorite city that you've visited or that you've been to? Honestly, probably Toronto. We really love Toronto. Okay. What movie have you probably rewatched more than any other? Pretty Woman. <laughs> okay. If you could go to a karaoke show, pick up a mic and totally rock out one song to perfection that would get the crowd on its feet going nuts, what song would you pick? Cowboy by Kid Rock in Detroit really gets them going. And I rap that on stage at my wedding. So did you really? That's up there. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. It was it was incredible. Let me just let you know that. <laughs> Last two questions here. You're a great follow on Twitter. Who's your single favorite follow on Twitter? Like if you could only follow one person, you had to have one follow. Who would you follow more than anyone else? My Adrian Waddle. He's so hot. Like, <laughs> why wouldn't I? <laughs> All right. Last question here. If you could have three dinner guests at your house from any era, dead or alive, celebrity, public figure, whatever, drinks, some food at your dinner table, who would you have? Any three people ever. 
Obviously, La Adrian Waddle. Um, the next one, I actually am a very big fan of Princess Diana. I think she was always, you know, one of those people that essentially didn't give a shit about what people thought. And she always did the right thing and was always true to herself. So, you know, obviously how she died is very controversial. Sure. Uh, but I, I really look up to her. Um, and probably my grandpa um, who passed um, a number of years ago. All right. I like that. I don't like that he passed. I like that you picked your grandpa as one of the three people. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) I got where you were going with it. (laughs) All right, everyone. Give Shelby a follow on Twitter at Mrs. Waddle 68. This was fun. You're good people. I hope things work out, man. Adrian's a good fit on the field, I think, for Buffalo. And I think you're going to be a really good fit off of it. Thank you. Well, we appreciate it. And, you know, like I said, we're really looking forward to coming to Buffalo and really getting into this Bill's Mafia culture. So thank you all so much. All right, here we go. It's time for another installment of The Running With Joe. I am joined as always. Well, not as always because he wasn't here last week. I'm joined by my buddy Joe from New York City. Buffalo wins on Twitter, of course. Got a lot going on. A lot I want to get to today. We got Terry Bagula press conference stuff. We got some Bills news. Got some Sabres crap. Maybe a little WWE. Before we get cooking, though, You weren't on last week. Like I said, I got to tell you, man, I just finished up, me and my wife, a monster, monster binge of Game of Thrones, all seven seasons. Dude, I hammered it. We were up one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, pretty much every single night, getting up for work at six o'clock the next morning. Just didn't matter. Completely addicted. Once you get into a binge of Game of Thrones, you can't stop. I'm all caught up with a little bit of time to spare. Sunday, April 14th. Dude, can't come fast enough. So ready for the last season. So ready. Fuck, yeah. That's the only thing I'm looking forward to right now. I mean, since both sports teams are terrible. Well, not, I should say both are terrible. But, like, since the Sabres are, are a disaster and the Bills' offseason is kind of, like, over until the draft comes in. But that's kind of what I'm looking forward to is, is when Thrones comes back. But, yeah, when you binge watch it, it just holds up. Like, you miss so many things. Because so many things have happened where you're like, oh, that, that happened. And then there's like the foreshadowing because that show is like the king of foreshadowing of like what's going to happen like episodes later. Like you miss, you know. Yeah, it's amazing. Let me ask you something before we dive into all of the topics that we have on the table for today. My wife and I were having this discussion. A show like Game of Thrones, it's on Sunday nights on HBO. Do you prefer a show like that? Did you watch it? one episode, and then you wait to the next week for episode number two? Or would you rather have a show like, I don't know, I'm just going to use Narcos as an example. When the new season comes in on Netflix on a Friday, you start banging episodes out Friday after work, whatever, dinner time. Next thing you know, you've pulled an all-nighter and you're completely done with that season the very next day. Would you rather binge everything at once or would you rather watch one episode and then have to wait an entire week for the next one. To me, I, mean, I don't know, man. It's a very tough question to answer. Yeah, man. That's a super tough question. Um, you know, it's it's 
with Ga- I could just tell you this, and I'll try to answer it the question. But like with Game of Thrones, when they have gone, they've gone almost two years since the last season to now, right. and you can sit there and complain. But at the same time, you're savoring that moment of like, oh, hey, I have this break and it's coming back soon. And then you got seven weeks to like live through it again. So the time lapse is fun because you're savoring it, especially when you know it's going to end. So in a sense, like that kind of savers because you talk about it more. You can go in on Monday at work and talk about what the episode was. And the next episode a week later, the same thing. Whereas with Narcos, you go through everything and it's uh, you're done with it. I have to go with. I have to go with seeing it every other week because you can. Wa- it's easier to rewatch it like after it happens. Like I can watch Thrones. I'll watch Thrones again that week after I see it. I'll wait, you know, the, for the replay or whatever the case may be. It's on demand. If I'm binge watching Narcos, I'm not going back to watch each episode. Like, at, like I won't. I won't watch episode one and then watch it again or you know or again. You just binge through it. So I do like that sort of you know, going through it one by one, because I think you do forget stuff when you binge watch it more easily than when you have breaks between them. If that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. And I agree. We're definitely going to talk about game of Thrones much more in detail the Friday before the premiere on the 14th. And then definitely the Friday after the premiere as well. For now though, let's get down to today's business. Terry Bagula, well, Kim as well. Owners meetings in Phoenix earlier this week held court with the press. And look, I mean, I'm not saying anything that anyone who follows Buffalo sports teams doesn't already know, but Terry Bagula is not exactly for all of his money and saving the teams from potentially relocating. He's not the best speaker. And that was on, that was evident again on Tuesday. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run down a couple topics and some of his direct quotes and I'll get your reaction from them. And let's start with the new stadium being built, potentially. The Gulas say they don't know if there'll be a new stadium built. They're waiting on results from a market study. If there is one, it's not going to be lavish. It's not going to be like LA or Dallas. Terry made that pretty clear. I'm, I'm, here's a direct quote. I think the answer is probably a scaled-down version of some of these palaces that are being built around the country. The thing Rams owner Stan Kroenke is building in LA is amazing. Jerry Jones' facility in Dallas. So we need to do something that's Buffalo style. What what what, what is Buffalo style? That's my question. For <laughs> I you. have no idea. I don't I made a joke. Like, what is it? Like the the, the stadium's gonna be in the shape of a blue collar or right. <laughs> gonna, chicken wing? I mean, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I guess like you know, I, I don't know what kind of stadium they're gonna want. You know, if it if it's gonna be, I haven't I haven't been to too many NFL stadiums. If I've only there been is to even the gonna be one, but yeah, yeah, I've only I've only been to the Jets Stadium or the Giants of Jets Stadium, which is not that great to be honest with you. And I've been to Ralph, you know, or whatever New Era Field. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know what the what the hell they want what they're gonna do. Like, you know, there's so many variables involved with this whole stadium thing for me and for every fan there is. Um, I just I think their whole thing is this. This is my what I think they want to do. I think they want to have an outdoor stadium. I think they want to move it downtown. And I think their goal is they want people to go downtown, go to their places of business like 716, uh, the Labat Blue House thing or whatever. And they'll probably buy something else. People go there the pregame. That's money going into the Pagula's pockets. And then they walk to the stadium and like go in. 
that's kind of what I think their goal is. And I don't know how much, how many amenities they want to include with the stadium. You know, maybe they would, they, they're not into that, you know, and maybe they're going to rely on the, 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 the crowdsourcing from like those businesses around there. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, they're not going to, they're not going to build a Taj Mahal, you know, and I, I don't, you know, I think it's going to be closer to like Lambeau field, you know, you know, Heinz field, you know, things along those lines, like that sort of, stadium i guess but i you know i don't know what the hell they want to do like i don't even know what i would want like you know there's so many there's so many things like the taxpayer money everything why do you, you know, think he I, doesn't want a dome because he did indicate it's not being ruled out but he indicated that he doesn't want a dome stadium i look at a city like indianapolis or minnesota cold weather places that have domes that kind detroit. of befud- that befuddles me a little bit detroit yeah absolutely yeah that, doesn't that know, befuddle you a little bit it's it, it's fucking stupid to not have a dome and i I had heard about this from someone in the media told me during uh, Christmas, uh, I was having a conversation with that person. I had drinks with them and they had mentioned to me that Terry Pagula is a big thinks like football needs to play, be played outdoors. And there you go. I think it's, I think it's stupid. You do an indoor stadium. It attracts more events there. You can sure. do, I mean, you could bring other things. I mean, you're not going to bring the Super Bowl, obviously, but you can have like, I don't know, like the final four, or you can have like the final eight for the NCAA there. Like when they do the final eight, they, they sometimes do go to stadiums. You can have the biggest concerts in the wintertime. Yeah. You can make it into, and it can double up as a convention center as well. You know, cause and that's from what I've heard, Buffalo has like a horrible convention center. That's too fucking small. And if you get this, you could, it could become a convention center esque place where you can get like all-star games, like for the NHL. Cause that's one of the reasons why NHL all-star day games don't come to Buffalo is because, they bring like that fan fest shit there and they, there's no space in Buffalo for a fan fest. You do an enclosed stadium. You can have a fan fest there probably. So I, I don't know why. And not, not only that, but you, you, you'll have better football. You know, you, you can have like a track meet. I would love to not, not have to hear about blue collar football, smash mouth, the weather and like all that shit that we have to have like giant offensive linemen because of the snow we could construct a team that could have like four or five wide receiver sets that's going to pass the ball into oblivion you know and that's that's what happens when you get a dome so i i don't i don't like that at all and that kind of turns me off a little bit about whether you want a retrofit new era field or you want a new stadium downtown because i want a dome i think a dome is what people want i do not think it's cool to freeze their ass off in january that's the biggest thing to me attendance i mean that matters Dude, I'll tell you this right now, and maybe I'm in the minority, but I know I'm not alone. Being cold in December in Buffalo matters, especially if the team's losing. I'm trying to go sit at New Airfield and freeze to death, pay money to get in the game, spend my money on partying and all that other stuff like that. When after 13 games, the Bills are five and eight and they're playing the six and seven Jacksonville Jaguars or some shit like that. Give me a dome. I'm far more likely to invest my money in season tickets if I'm in a dome, knowing that even if the team is not good when it gets to be November, December, those cold weather games, it won't matter because I'm in a comfortable dome as opposed to having to go out and freeze my nuts off in 15 degree weather. Again, now I know there's a portion of the fan base that actually revels in that. I'm not one of them, and I know I'm not alone. Well, here's the thing, and this is like the, the 600 pound gorilla in the room, and this is what I think like Buffalo politicians have talked about. If they get a dome, you can count on the season tickets going through the roof. And right now, if you look at what the clientele is for the Bills, it's a bunch of kids. It's a bunch of 18 to 34-year-olds who go down there, 
who binge drink in the parking lot, who get shit faced, and they gotta pay. They get season tickets for three, four hundred dollars, which is a fucking deal by NFL standards. You get a dome, that price is gonna skyrocket. And what does your clientele become? Like, as the, does that mean you're gonna get? more like upscale white collar people to go to these events or whatever the case may be. I don't know if Buffalo has enough of those people where it's going to be like CEOs, fortune 500 companies going to these things. Cause that's, what's going to happen. You get a dome, the price goes up. That I think is a big, uh, big obstacle in terms of them having that because it's going to cost more to build and you're going to have to, al- you're going to have to recoup those expenses somehow. And that's where you say, okay, Hey, tickets are going up, buddy. You know, no more of this, like, you get to sit in the rock pile for $300 anymore, you know. And that's, I think, what is a worry if you go for the dome. Like, so I don't know how many people are going to be down with that, you know, in terms of – and that's where you you go into, well, maybe you you put amenities in the the dome. Like, you know, I told you my favorite stadium I've ever been to is City Field where the Mets play. You go to City Field and it's basically – they have a brewery there. They have a restaurant inside of it, like a legit like sit-down restaurant. I like the Odd Club or whatever the fuck it is at at uh, at KeyBank Center. Like it's a legit restaurant. There's a beautiful food court that's like right behind right field where it's like twelve like really awesome like restaurants that you can grab food and take it out. And there's like cool stuff to do around the stadium. Like that is awesome. And that's like something that I think if you have a stadium, if you want amenities to have people keep going back. It's stuff like that, you know, aside from that, because that's the thing, man, you know, we can all sit here and talk about wanting a new stadium, but a new stadium changes the clientele of of new era field by a landslide. Let's move on to talk about the teams that he owns. Start with the Sabres. It's pretty apparent to me. And maybe if, unless I'm reading the tea leaves wrong, I don't think Phil Housley's getting fired at the end of this season. He said a bunch of shit, and I'm not going to read all the quotes, but one thing he said that really sticks out to me, and, and it bothers me, to be frank, he says about Phil Housley, he's a young coach, and he was a great player, and I think he can grow as a coach. To me, that says he's going to be back for year three, and I just, I don't think he deserves to be back for year three. I, I mean, I could sit here and lay out a bunch of numbers and a bunch of scenarios at the end of the day if you have a set of eyes and you have watched the Buffalo Sabres play for the last three months, dude should not be back. And it certainly sounds like he's going to be. Yeah, it's it's a pretty, I don't know if he's going to be back or not, but yeah, he should be gone. And what Terry said about like, he's a young coach, like he's 55 years old. Okay, I know he's young, maybe an experience, which I think it's kind of weird that like Housley came into coaching as as late as he did which is kind of like i said odd but uh you know for him to kind of talk about the team being young but like specifically when he talked about housley like well you know he's a great he was a great player like what the fuck does that have to do with anything you know what i mean like what does that have to do with coaching at, at all like that's the thing about the pagulas and especially the sabers like they're just like if you have sabers on your resume and you played here they're just like smitten by you and like, Oh my God, like you, you gotta be the, you gotta be the GM. You gotta be the coach. You gotta be the president. I don't know if you ever knew this, but when they hired Pat LaFontaine, Pagula met with him for like a lunch about concussions. And after that lunch, he was like, he loved LaFontaine. He's like, do you want to be the president of the Sabres? And that was how, that's how he got the job. 
it wasn't even like an interview. I, it was just basically like, oh hey, I'm gonna make you. The, it was it, I'm gonna make you the, the the president. You know, it was like it was straight up out of like Dark Knight when like Bruce Wayne met with Harvey Dent and he was blown away by Harvey Dent in a freaking lunch setting and said like, you know what, I'm gonna fundraise your campaign and give you all the money you want. Like, uh, I don't know where this happens. So uh, you know, I don't know what he's thinking with Housley. I get, I just, I get so mad. I get mad at this point, even thinking about the Sabres, let alone talking about them. And you know, of all the things, and I can feel it, it's coming. Last couple of weeks, we talked about the Sabres. Remember, I did a toilet flush sound effect because I had no interest yes. in talking about these guys. The thing that bothered me the most of all the shit that Pagula talked about was he made an excuse that the Sabres are losing because they're too young. And I freaking hate that. He says, we knew, and I'm giving her a direct quote. This team is so young. And I know it sounds like a cop-out because there's young teams that are winning. We're one of the youngest teams in the league. Young guys make mistakes that sometimes they shouldn't, but they grow. There it is. There's that excuse. Dude, it ain't just the young guys. It's a cop-out. That's got nothing to do with trading Ryan O'Reilly and only getting Saboka and Tage Thompson back. That's got nothing to do with Risa Lanen playing fucking 22, 23 minutes a night having the worst plus minus in the entire NHL. That's got nothing to do with Jeff Skinner. Maybe because he's wondering where he's going to be playing next year. He's got one goal in his last 19 games. That youth is just a bullshit ass tired old excuse. And I'm fucking sick of hearing it. Well, yeah, I agree with that. And also you have to look at the nuances of youth. Like the Sabres have guys who are young, but they've played like 400 NHL games. Like Jack Eichel, this is what his fifth season. Sam Reinhardt, like fifth season, you know, here or, you know, or fourth, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, like they, they played Four's enough, enough they but play, yes. Yeah. They played enough freaking games here. Like the Deleen, uh, and Middlestat are like, to me, like your excuse for, okay. Yeah. Those guys are young. I, sure. I don't know who else is like, you're going to like go for Like there's Jason Pominville. He's, oh, he's been there for fucking ever. Scandella. He's been there forever. I you know, so Bogosian. Yeah, they got some old fucking fucks. More than enough. Gergensons, Larson. I'm not even. I don't even need to look at the roster because I've been saying these guys all year. All these veterans that ain't doing shit. Are they young? Yeah, overall they're young, but they got more than enough veterans to win. The goaltending has freaking stunk. The defense does not play well. Phil was supposed to bring this exciting brand, rushing the defense up of hockey, and this team's just freaking laid down. These last two games as we tape this. They played, who did they play? New Jersey and Ottawa. Dude, two teams, Ottawa's, two, two of only, tanking. I, I don't, Ottawa's exactly. Tanking. Two of only five teams in the entire NHL that are below the Sabres at this point in the standings. And they lose combined seven to one. That to me is a team that's just rolling over. They're, they're mailing it in. They want the season over. They're not playing hard. They've been playing soft and this has been going on for way too long. And when it, it's not the results that have me mad, because I never thought the Sabres were going to be, if you remember back in November last year, I didn't think they were this good. I thought they'd be in the mix for the playoffs. I never thought we would be talking about them being there to the bottom of the league with right. a week or so to go. But I mean, Jesus Christ, bro, they, they're just rolling over. It's not the results. It's the effort that's driving me nuts. And when the effort is that poor, that's got to be at least some of that's got to be on this fucking coach. Uh, yes, it See, definitely has to again. be. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm I'm at the point where I'm just so like over. Like, it's just like they're. T- I I just want the season to end. I want to see what they do. 
with Housley, and it's just they've been so bad. The Sabers for it's eight seasons. They're gonna own. They're gonna own the longest NHL playoff drought right now. After after Carol, you know, Carolina already clinched or whatever. I think Carolina clinched, but they're going to clinch, and they're gonna own that drought. And the Saber and the Pagulas and everything since Pagula Day and the sole reason of existence is to win the Stanley Cup. They have not won dick. They have been horrible. They've been the worst. Like it's it's mind boggling how horrible they have been. This whole like everything. And it's just at this point, we're just all talking in circles because it's deja vu. And like, it is rock bottom every, like we thought, I thought last year was going to, was rock bottom, you know, with like fucking like, this year's you know, worse. thinking like, yeah, this year's cause they were good. And then they fucking fell apart and died. One last Pagula thing, because then I want to get to some other stuff. He was talking about consistency and continuity. And he said a quote that in fairness to him, and he's not a good talker, but, the quote that he said got all kinds of twisted and he's become sort of the butt of jokes from the media and from fans. He said, and this is a direct full quote. We talked about consistency and you know, you look around both leagues, the national hockey league and the national football league and the teams that have the consistent management teams seem to fare better. I always say like the new England Patriots, you know, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, It's like going to McDonald's to get your coffee in the morning. It's the same. Or Tim Hortons. You know what you're going to get every morning. And those guys have been together for so long, they're hard to compete against. That Tim Hortons comment, again, taken out of context and not fully complete, got him roasted on Twitter over this week by the media and by fans. And again, in fairness to him, not really accurate. No, it was, it was, sorry to interrupt you, but no, it was all because of WGRZ tweeted, like they broke it up into like sentence fab, fab, uh, right. fragments, excuse me, which no one, I, which when everyone saw was fucking hysterically horrible. And everyone was like, what is this guy talking about? And, you know, I, I don't know, I don't remember off the top, the top of my head. It was just something like, you know, he said there's like, new, he mentioned the New England thing and he's like, it's like, it's breakfast. And then, period. Tim Hortons, like Tim Hortons. And I was like, what are you fucking talking about, dude? <laughs> like, so like, I think everyone, like there are media people who finally like woke up to like, Hey, this was the exact quote. I think it was GRZ said GRZ, GRZ's tweet. And I'm quoting here. Management sure. teams tend to fare better. Look at the Patriots with Belichick and Brady. It's like breakfast. It's like Tim Hortons. There was more to the quote than that. <laughs> it, just, it was such a bad tweet. Like literally like what Tom Brady and Belichick are breakfast too. And Tim Hortons. Oh man, it was it was just funny. It was definitely one of those things. I get the like, spirit I, of I, what I he's trying to say. He's say he's saying that continuity is important, but whatever. you got to get the right guys to have continuity with. The jury's out on the Bills. We're going to talk about them briefly in a minute. But with the Sabers, I'm really confident that Phil Housley's not part of that continuity. Jason Botterill still might be, but he's got to. I'll tell you, he's got to answer for that Ryan O'Reilly trade. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about Ryan O'Reilly. We've done that before. It's a bad trade. Jeff Skinner was a great trade, but if you can't parlay that into a signing, then it doesn't really matter. He was a good player on a, what I, I want to say, a historically bad team because in a way, this team is historically bad because how good they were. They went for being near the top of the league. They've lost 13 straight road games. They're, what are they, uh, three wins in 20 games as we tape this? That's <clears> historically <throat> bad to me, so... Bill, how fuck continuity unless you unless continuity is just being shitty every single year because you get a guy like Phil Housley, that's what you're going to get. 
But I do understand yeah, his I mean, point. I do understand his point about the continuity thing with Brady and Belichick. I, well, I, I think his points that. that that point sucks. No, I don't. I don't agree with that. He's you a know bad why? communicator. We all know that. No, but no, no, no. Not hold, a good on, talk. hold on. Go Sorry, ahead. I don't mean to go yell. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I I don't like that. I don't like that point because he's using like the mecca of like of like what they've been the last eighteen years. Okay, with New England being like the greatest freaking franchise ever, but like. There are other examples of teams in the NFL who had a quarterback, you know, a quarterback coach who came together quickly and were great. I mean, look at the Rams. The Rams went to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff and and, and Sean McVay. Their second year together. Okay, that's one right. more year. That's one more year than Josh Allen and Sean McDermott. All right, so don't tell me like this whole thing like it takes time or and any of that. Like they're they're acting like this takes you know it takes a while to do this. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and like, You're right. what does that mean? It's in the what real quick, Pat, and like this whole it's like continuity. Continuity is one of the worst things I've heard. I've I've seen people for years, like lap dogs for the Bills, talk about oh, you know, it's continuity. They can't be firing everyone. What the fuck do you mean they can't be firing everyone? Should they have kept Dick Sharon for five fucking years, six years because he sucked? Changeli, Marone, Rex, like come on, if you suck, fuck you and get out. The end. Okay, find someone who's better. Don't fucking sit there and try to sell me on continuity when continuity sucks. When the players, the, the, if they if they suck at their job, they're gone. That's how it is every day in America. If you suck at your job, you're fired. You don't sit there and go, well, you know what? I don't want to fire you because we, we need to keep the continuity here even though you suck at your job. Like, I, I hate that excuse. That's all I'm hearing about them. Everyone's young. Everyone, they need a little more time. It's all about continuity. You know, whatever. And maybe it's all a bag of shit, and they're just, like, saying that in public. And then, like, when the season ends for the Sabres, they'll kill every – you know, they'll fire Housley or whatever they'll do. But just – I'm just I'm just sick of it. Fans don't want to hear this shit anymore. You wrap up the Bagula press conference, which we're spending a lot of time talking about it in large part because he just doesn't speak much. And honestly, most times I'd be pissed off about that. But in his case, man, I, I think he might be better off not speaking at all. I have someone well, else I speak some, for him. I, yeah, real quick. I, I some you know I used to be the guy who like didn't I didn't need to hear from ownership. Like I was like whatever. What he's gonna he's gonna spill cliches. And yeah, you're right. He's not a good speaker. But because the teams, you know the the Sabers have been so bad, I do not mind them getting grilled and being uncomfortable out there. How stupid they fucking have been. It's just so, not his thing, man. You know, it's just not medicine. his thing. To wrap up Pagula, though, I think it's safe to say the press conference was just a combination of trying to temper expectations of fans and just flat out excuses. That's all it really was at the end of the day. He talked about the stadium, which is a real topic and market study will dictate what they end up doing. I believe that to an extent, I don't think they're completely sold one way or the other, but when it comes to the Sabres and the bills, yeah, it's just complete tempering the expectations down and fucking excuses. And that's all it is. Let's switch gears and talk about the Buffalo bills for a few, not a lot going on in the news department. They did cut earlier this week, Chris Ivory, save around $2.1 million against the cap. Not really much to say there. Third string running back, he's gone. They'll draft a rookie, go with Gore McCoy in the camp. All set there. I do want to ask you, because I know you've had a lot to say about Antonio Brown, and you weren't on the show last week. He released an audio. In fact, I got that from your Twitter. That's where I first saw it. We had a conversation. He taped it with Drew Rosenhaus. No idea if Drew knew it was being taped or not. But he was talking about a bunch of teams and trade scenarios. And when it came to Buffalo, I mean, he quickly blew off the bills. It has become very obvious, if it wasn't already, that audio shows 
he legitimately really had absolutely less than zero interest in coming to Buffalo. That tape shows it. Yeah, it was it was interesting because he only spent like seven seconds about the Bills. Like, yeah, it's a, like no thanks. And then he talked in circles about like New England, Philly, Tennessee, a little right. bit of Oakland. Like he talked about like six, seven other teams. The interesting thing I found in all this was like I wanted to know when the hell that was recorded because at one point in the interview, like Rosenhaus said, hey, I could see a tray going down next uh, Wednesday next week. So that shit went down like five days. Like the trade for Brown went down to Oakland on Friday and the Bills thing came on Thursday night. So I don't know if like things completely changed between when that happened to like Wednesday with the Rappaport thing, which is still like I- I'm still trying to like re- you know, it's weeks later. And I'm still trying to figure out what the hell, how, how the hell did he get I think that? he just like, got it wrong. I think he got bad information. I don't think it was ever close. I think they had a discussion. I think Rappaport just flat out got it wrong on well, that day. Well, hold on, hold on. I, I, maybe, but Terry Pagula said, and I, I, we didn't go over that in the in their commentary thing, was he said, like, like basically, yeah, and we tried. Antonio Brown didn't want to come here. So, like, I don't know when, they, when exactly they tried because it's six days later maybe even less or more from the audio to when Rappaport reported, like things could have changed, but I thought Pagula basically said, like, yeah, I like, and that's, that was kind of like the weird thing of everything. Like when the Rappaport thing happened, then like all the bills, people came out, the bills beat guys. And we're like, there's nothing close to happening about this. And then it's like, well, the owner just kind of said like, like, well, you know, he just didn't want to come here. And like, I don't know, like the whole thing just was kind of weird. I don't want to, I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, I think, Rappaport, either he got something where they were, they were, and you and I discussed this on Twitter, like whether he was trying, to, the Steelers or maybe Rosenhaus was trying to get more in return. Maybe the Steelers were to like tell everyone, oh, Buffalo's in on us, give us more stuff, or whatever the case may be. Because it's always this, this the, the devil's in the, the details. And sometimes, you know, was trying to figure out who the, like, where was going where. Like things could have changed on, on Brown's part, you know, and at the end, but who knows? Like there was so much shit in that whole thing. He's public like, enemy number one. It's crazy. He's never played in Buffalo. He's never, re- I don't even barely remember him playing against Buffalo. It really nothing to do with just, he hates Buffalo or doesn't want to come here to the point where he made himself public enemy. Number one. Didn't he have well, a post, he, he he had a post want, on Instagram too. Did you see that post that he had where there was a bills logo and he had that reaction with his face where he's pushing it away and then smiling Whatever. underneath with an Oakland Raiders logo. I mean, he's yeah. just taking shots at Buffalo. He's, he's intentionally doing it. I guess. I don't know. I don't really give a fuck. Eh, Honestly, fuck I, 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 I'm sorry. Like, I don't care. I know I everyone hope- in Buffalo gets their panties in a bunch over that shit and fucking everyone writes 300 word, like 3000 word essays on it about being outraged. I don't, I don't give a fuck. I'm looking forward to the draft. I want new players here so we could talk about them. And Antonio Brown, hopefully after that, we'll never have to hear about him again, unless someday the bills are playing the Raiders, whatever. You're happy. He didn't come here. Aren't you? Um, I am. I wasn't at the time though. I'd be lying. If it's easy to say that now, and I sound like a Homer, well, I'm glad they didn't do it, but now I am happy. I think his attitude would have eventually been an issue. If this team doesn't win right away, I think that's going to happen in Oakland as well. I like Beasley and Brown. I like signing both of them. If they get Brown, maybe they don't do a lot of the things that they've done. I really like their offseason a lot. So, yeah, I, I'm good with the Bills not getting Antonio Brown. But I wasn't at the time, though. I Here's the thing. You're like, yes, Brown does seem fucking a loose cannon. He's a, he's it all happened. It's weird with him because it all happened this year. 
with him. Like, before that, there was nothing really wrong with him. Like, you didn't really hear stories. He just did the twerking thing, and there was nothing. And this year, he just, like, was like, fuck Ben Roethlisberger. That's a, that's the other thing, like, I think a lot of people don't realize. Like, Ben Roethlisberger has issues with, like, everyone over the years in the, with the Steelers. Like, wide receivers, running backs. Like, Le'Veon Bell said so. Brown has. Like, there's guys who have issues with him. And I think that added to him wanting to get the hell out of there. Um, I, I, I would tell you right now, I, you know, I would rather have Brown than three of the top free agents that the Bills brought in. Like, huh? put the center, uh, Beasley and Brown. You're the fucking other Brown. crazy. You're crazy. How is that crazy? Fuck How that. are you you got the anchor. What? You okay, got the anchor. I, their okay, offensive hold line. Hold no on. way. I'm not. I'm not Wait, even going down on. this rabbit hole with you. That's that's fucking nuts. How? No, no, no. Now look, I'm not saying you can't go get a center. And like, you could go get a center. Go get a cheaper oh, one. Russell Bodine. Brown, Brown. Hold on. Let me finish. I wasn't on the podcast the last two weeks when you had other people on. Brown from 2012 to today is the number one wide receiver in catches, yards, touchdowns. That's an impact player guy right there, dude. 31 years old. Games. Oh, he doesn't so, want to be here. He doesn't he, he, he would have No, I in. know, I know, but I'm just telling you in a hypothetical world of like, let's just say he did want to he ended up coming here. I would have rather had that than like the three free eight, the best three agents that the Bills signed for the top. No three. way. I'm sorry. I just no way. whatever. You know, you know what? Fine. Have role players, complimentary guys. Mitch Morris is not a role player. Have a catch guy there. They got it, dude. You watch football. You watch that offensive line last year. You no, want Russell Bodon. You want Ryan Pat, Groy. You Pat, want Spencer no, no, Long playing center. Pat, you're putting words in my mouth. I'm not saying don't get a center. I'm saying you could get a center in the draft, or you could get the the, the fifth or sixth best center out there in <laughs> free agency. I'm not saying go with Bodine. I, I'm just saying that I would have rather gone with him, and then you could get smaller guys. If that, now that's if you told me that. Now, that, now look. They could have maybe afforded everyone. They had all that cap fucking money. We all know that. They could have got Brown and got everyone. I am just telling you, in my from my point of view, I think Brown was an impact guy who wins you games. That's what the Bills need. The Bills need impact players. Okay, they did okay in free agency. They got a lot of complimentary guys who are good, solid players. But they didn't get like guys who are going. Are these guys Pro Bowl caliber? Have they gone to the Pro Bowl? Any of these guys? No. Brown has. He's been an All Pro. So that's why I would have I would have rather have had him over like going for like the top three other guys. That's just how I am. Look, I'm a star guy. I'm a star fucker. I know All you right? are. That's who I want. I, I get and I get it too. Well, it's a it's a kind of a pointless conversation because he flat out didn't want to come. Yeah, you're right. If but you're I'm, saying, saying, I'm if, you're right. If, you're right. If DeAndre Hopkins wanted to come to Buffalo, if he was walking around in a Bills T-shirt, would I take him before those three guys? Quite possibly, yes, I would. Plus, DeAndre Hopkins is younger. Point being, his dude sure. didn't want to be here and. His best days, his stats that you rolled off, it's highly unlikely he's going to reach those numbers again. He is getting older. Well, as I told, I, I think I've, I may have explained this to you. I have no idea if I did, but I think you have to be careful with the age thing because with the way the NFL is right now, you can't hit anyone anymore. And I think that's a reason why quarterbacks are lasting a lot longer because it's not what it was 20 years ago. And I think that's going to happen with wide receivers lasting longer. And that's, and you're right. Maybe his numbers do dip a little bit. But I think you could keep Larry Fitzgerald still fucking playing. The guy's like 40 almost. And I think because the NFL is just not guys don't get hit as much as they used to back in our day, man. So I think I think that position is something that could last longer because of that. The, the wear and tear is a lot less now. Antonio Brown's still playing. Gronk is not. He retired this week. Big blow to the Patriots, obviously. Although, you know, goddamn well, 
TJ Hawkinson or Noah Font, they're getting one of those two big tight ends. You just know that's the way it's going to work out for the Patriots. But anyway, do you think Gronk's one of, if not the best tight end ever? You know, I, I would say pound for pound in their primes, yes, he is. Uh, I happen to be someone who looks a lot at longevity, you know, when it comes to like, I think it kind of means more when you do it for like 15 years or, you know, versus what he has done it for, which is nine. What, nine years. Yeah. So I kind of view it that way. Like with Gonzalez, like he was, you know, millennium man, he was good for a, a long time. You know what I mean? And, but like Gronk wasn't, you know, Gronk, you know, Gronk was like the short career span and he had injuries there and there, but like. Pound for pound, he was dominant. He was he was like a little bit like in a way like Randy Moss, whereas Randy Moss only played like he was exceptional. Randy Moss for probably in totality eight to nine years, you know what I mean. But then he had like issues with like you know when he went to the Raiders, and then he had issues at the end, and then he kind of retired a little bit young. So you know that's kind of how I kind of view Gronk a little bit, if that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say probably he's the best tight end in history. Um, but like definitely in his prime, like when he was at his best, he was the best. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Pound for pound, the best. Longevity, not quite as good as some of the other legends. But when he was healthy, when he was out there, and he was a clutch player too. And that's something that people shouldn't take lightly. He always made clutch plays. Big hole for the Patriots to fill, by the way. But you just know that they're going to find a way to fill it adequately. You know it. Yeah, though. I mean, it's Brady's back there, man. Brady can make fucking water into wine you know and uh hopefully let me ask you this real quick um how do you view him how do you think bill's fans or buffalo fans view gronk i think they hate him and i i think it's bullshit i get it the cheap shot we'll talk about this another time the cheap shot with trey white in fact i did talk about this earlier with shelby waddle because she's she knows gronk very personally knows him well her husband played with him and she had good things to say about him and a lot of bill's fans are being assholes about it i get it the cheap shot of trey white but you know what He's a Buffalo guy. It was heat of the moment. It was a mistake he, to do parties. I, here we go. That's we're getting in this. Like we're getting him. in this. You like him because he parties. That's he why parties. you like him. Yeah, I like him because you know what? He, he's never been arrested. He, he he doesn't get DWIs. He doesn't hit women. He doesn't do drugs. At least if he does, he ain't getting caught doing them. I like Brock, man. He's a <laughs> he good dude. Did. I don't care what you say. You like him because he drinks. Because if you sure. ever were an NFL pro, that would be you. Dude, if he was be... a Buffalo Bill, if he was a Buffalo Bill instead of fucking Terrell Troop, he probably would be the most popular player in the history without of the Buffalo question. Bills. Without what question. Is, without question. I agree. I'm just I'm just saying that like, you like him because he drinks a lot. That's yeah. why you like him. I, I do. I'm not even going to lie to you about that. <laughs> you like him. He's a, and look, he is a partier and... Uh, I'm, you know, it's kind of with me. I'm, I'm fine with him. I don't, I mean, the, the thing with Trey was fucked up, but, uh, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't, I'm fine with him. Like, I don't hate him, but, uh, he had a great career. He drank a lot. He's got, he's probably gotten laid a lot. So good for him. As we wind down here, got to at least touch on a little bit of WWE stuff. I mean, that's just what we do. And we'll have a huge WrestleMania preview next week in advance of the show on Sunday the 8th. But other than, the Kofi story, which I think is awesome. WWE is a mess, especially Raw. To me, this is starting to feel like the most poorly marketed WrestleMania that I can remember. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty lame right now. And especially since I'm going after spending like a lot of money to go. Uh, the, the event might be maybe, great. What'd you say? I, I think the event itself might be perfectly fine. It's just the yeah. angles, the TV storylines, the build to it has just been fucking terrible. Yeah, it's been pretty lame. 
all, all across the board, especially last year. Last year had some like marquee awesome matches and some okay. Like it's it's like the build. I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, yeah, the build. Like you know, the build is the build. Sometimes and sometimes it's not good. Sometimes it's not. It's not. It's bad. Whatever the fuck. But I feel like the matches themselves just. They, I've seen them before. I don't really. I think Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre have fought on like Raw, like back in like the fall. Probably, you know what I mean? Or they're going to do what? They're going to do Lashley and, and, and Finn Balor maybe again or something they like are. that. They, they are. Yeah. Like we've seen that 25 times, you know, I just, the only match that's good is like the, the women's, and I'm talking about the match. Like I'm look, I'm going to oh, first time these guys have met, you know, it's like the Seth Rollins Brock thing. Cause the last time they fought, it was kind of like a, uh, it was like a schmoz where that was when Brock or Rollins was a chicken shit heel, you know, but that should be a good match. The the women's we've never seen before, you know, Kofi versus Brian is something that they've never really done before. But all the other stuff, it's just it's stuff that's been done over and over again. And it's 17 matches of like, to me, glorified SmackDown and Raw shows from like the last year, basically, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, you know, next week, hopefully Raw and SmackDown, the go home shows, they'll get me a little more excited than I currently am for WrestleMania. I mean, having said that, I guess it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, I'm going to tune in no matter what. All right, so let's wrap this up. As always, you end with your finisher, your final take of the day. What do you got, man? Hit that finisher. Look, you know, if I was on this podcast two weeks ago, I probably would have been swearing for about four hours about everyone being angry about people taking shots at Buffalo or making up people taking shots at Buffalo and just the outrage and then even the bills themselves with ownership and with the, with the coach and the GM talking about how amazing Buffalo is when it comes to Antonio Brown not wanting to come there. And making it about the city when it really was probably about the team not being good. I am here as the unofficial expat who has been in New York City for, for uh, since 2002. And I can tell you that when I tell people I'm from Buffalo, and I say this to everyone, I've met hundreds of people here. I have gone on many jobs, you know, worked at many jobs. I have gone on horrible dates where I talk about Buffalo. The reaction is not this disdain or this like insecurity of, oh my God, you're from there, or oh my God, you're a Trump voter, or oh my God, you think that they should build a wall against Mexicans. It's ambivalence of, okay, yeah, that's okay, cool. Uh, it snows there a lot. Yes, that's it. That is all there is. I think. In that town, everyone thinks everyone outside of it obsesses about how much they hate Buffalo, and it's it's Buffalo against the world. No one gives a shit. And I meet the in New York City. It's not New Yorkers. It's expats from different parts of the country, everywhere from the Midwest to California to Texas, everywhere. I've met these people, and the only time I get made fun of is about the teams. That is it. That and that is what they make fun of us for. Okay, so when everyone gets into like this sanctimonious get on the soapbox and yell about people who are talking shit about buffalo it's about the sports teams guys okay players don't i'm sure the city does have a little bit of a factor but if you're winning there's no there's no issue with players wanting to come to buffalo and people outside of it they view they when they think buffalo they think of the sports teams okay they don't think about the region being depressed or like jobs leaving or bass pro or whatever the case may be. Okay. And Buffalo's on the rebound. And I think people need to act like they've been there before because it is, there's articles constantly about how great the, the city is and how it's on the rebound. So I think people need to stop fixating on these ghosts 
of evil people, the evil empire that just hates Buffalo. Okay, stop intertwining the city and the team together when it comes to rejection from NFL players. All right, that is going to do it for this episode. Big thank you again, Shelby Waddle. That's the first time I ever had the wife of a Buffalo Bill on the podcast, and I'm so glad I did. I'll tell you, I hopefully Adrian works out for the Buffalo Bills in part because he's a good player. He's a good swing tackle. The offensive line depth has been terrible on this team, especially last year. I think he can improve that a lot on the field. And in the locker room, by all accounts, a real high-character guy. And he brings that winning culture with him. He's got two Super Bowl rings with the Patriots. I think that goes a long way in the locker room. I think it helps a lot. So I hope that he works out for that reason alone. And I'm let's be honest here. I also hope that it works out because, well, you just heard why today. Shelby Waddle is a fucking cool chick, man. She really is. Good storyteller. Lots of fun. Very funny. Very down to earth. Very real. I really enjoyed that a lot. So thank you very much, Shelby. Also, thanks to my man, Joe, the running with Joe back after a week's absence. That was good stuff. Always is. That Antonio Brown shit. We were getting a little bit testy with each other. I like that though, man. That's what I like about Joe. He's not here to be a yes man. If you don't agree with me, he's going to let me know. I respect that about him. That was a good segment. Lots of fun. Guys, if you haven't done so already, I don't know why you wouldn't, but if you haven't, I invite you to subscribe to this podcast. It's quick, easy, free. You subscribe, new episodes automatically get sent to your phone, your laptop, your iPad, whatever, within just seconds of being released. Literally just seconds. That is the advantage and the benefit of being a subscriber. Simply put, you're going to get it before anyone else does. Got new shows every Tuesday and every Friday. Don't forget to rate and review as well. Again, like I said at the top, that really helps grow the show tremendously. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere future award-winning podcasts are found. Don't forget about our brand new YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, type in Analytics Podcast. You can hit subscribe there. I have podcast highlight clips. We're going to have some original audio content coming going to dabble in some videos a little bit down the road. Lots of fun stuff coming there, so be sure to check that out. Lastly, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at PadMoranTweets. Won't be as entertaining as Shelby Waddle, but I'll give it a shot. Thank you, as always, again for listening. I really, truly appreciate each and every single one of you. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.